From the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It is the Craig Needles Podcast, which of course you can find at londonnewstoday.ca, classicrocket981.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, downloading, subscribing, reviewing, all that fun stuff. And I am wanting to talk today about the decision made by the London Police Services Board. And you may have heard this story on the aforementioned radio station or at the aforementioned website I was just telling you about. But the London Police Services Board decided that they are going to hire a new police chief, which is something that we've been waiting for essentially for more than six months. And after that lengthy deliberation, which included a time with an interim police chief because Steve Williams has been off the job since February, uh, they have decided to hire Ty Trong, who, of course, was with York Regional Police. Now, this is out of character in London's history. The last time that a London Police Services Board hired somebody that didn't already work for London Police to become London's police chief was all the way back in 1998 when they hired Al Gramolini. So it's been 25 years. It has been a very long time since this is the this type of hire has been made in London. Now, Ty Trong, of course, is historic. He is someone who is uh, not a white person who has become chief of London police. That is something that Ali Chabar mentioned at the news conference to introduce uh, Chief Designate Trong yesterday on Monday. But the people that were kind of connected to the police service and sort of knew what was going on within the service were of the belief that Trish McIntyre, who has been serving as interim chief since February, was going to get that job. There was a lot of surprised people in and around London Police, not just people who work at London Police, but people who are connected to London Police. Uh, I will say this. I don't know how every single officer at London Police Service feels about Trish McIntyre, but I can tell you this. Several have reached out to me after this had occurred. Not a huge number. I'm not saying it's a significant sample size, but I've heard from a few officers who were very surprised and quite frankly, very unhappy that someone from outside the service had become chief. They thought that Trish McIntyre had done all the right things to get that job. And I'll say this as someone from the outside, from the perspective of someone in the media in the city of London, I thought Trish McIntyre, when it comes to handling the media, when it comes to talking with us and being accountable to us and being willing to have a conversation with us when something is right, when something is wrong, somewhere in between, uh, 10 out of 10 is how I would rate her there. 10 out of 10. Now, that's not the only part of being chief of police, of course. There are other things that we in the media would have no idea how someone would be able to handle. But as far as the interacting with the public part, 10 out of 10 for Trish McIntyre. I thought she'd done a great job there. So I was very surprised to find out that it wasn't going to be her. And I kind of heard some rumblings about that on my way to the news conference on Monday morning. When I woke up Monday morning, I thought that I'm going to be writing the story about first woman ever to become chief of police in London's history. That's what story I thought I was going to be writing yesterday afternoon. That is not the story that I wound up writing. And I know that there's a historic, as Ali Jabbar said, there's a historic element of hiring a non-white person to be chief. But guess what? It would have been a historic thing to hire a woman to be chief of police in London because that is sadly something that's never happened before. 
So I don't know if the this is a historic higher element of this really moves the needle for me either way if we're picking between these two candidates. Either option would have been historic. Either option would have been a first. So I'm not sure how this is going to go over within the ranks of London police at large. Maybe it's going to be fine. Maybe Ty Tron's going to be an awesome chief. I don't know. I hope so. But there are at least a few people, both in and out of the service, who are not thrilled with the way this went down. So I wanted to ask someone who knows not just about doing the job of chief of police, but I wanted to ask someone who knows about the process of selecting a chief of police. And who better to do that than uh, with Murray Faulkner, who, of course, was the chief of police in London from 2004 through 2010 and provides a very unique perspective on, uh, uh, on this conversation. Murray, thank you so much for uh, joining the podcast and, and having a chat with us. Glad you could do it today. Not a problem. Thanks for calling me. So your reaction to London Police Services Board deciding they were going to go outside of London Police Service to, to, to make this hire, to, to, to pass over some folks who had been here, and they go to someone from York Region, Ty Trong. What was, what was your thought when you first heard that was going to be the decision? Um, I, I was a bit surprised in the sense that uh, this Police Services Board had an opportunity to appoint uh, Trish McIntyre, a deputy chief that would be the first female uh, chief of police in London. And and I thought this was a golden opportunity to do that. And um, so, yes, I was I was surprised a bit uh, seeing the choice. Then, you know, in society, uh, there is this desire to change, I will say, the complexion of upper management. Um, obviously, the chair of the police services board, when he made a comment that when you look at the pictures on the wall of all the chiefs of police were changing the complexion. Yeah. Uh, so uh, obviously that had some factor in it. Yeah. They, now, they, sorry. They, they just, it also would have changed the, the, the look of those pictures if it was Trish McIntyre too. So that was kind of the thing that uh, surprised me a little bit with those comments is, is Trish would have been a history making hire too, right? Like, Oh, very much so. Uh, in, in not only for London, but also in, in the province, there are very, very few female uh, chiefs of police. Um, there are three females on the police services board, and currently three males. They're short, one person, and and so, you know, my my cop intuition says, you know, look what happened with. Um, and I don't know this guy, uh, yeah. Ryan Goss, who was yes. appointed, appointed by an interview process at City Hall to go on to the London Police Services Board to be the citizen appointee by municipal council. And then the past chair uh, raised such a stink that it need to reflect uh, the community that they then rescind it and now are going back through a process. So... Um, all that being said in such short time, I, I just wonder how much that had to play in. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fair to wonder that. And, and I don't know. And here's the thing. I, Ty Tron may be a great police chief. I don't know. I, I, I don't really know a lot about him other than sort of what we've seen with the resume and, and the resume is a really impressive one, but I think that there are still some people within London police. And I know I've had some officers reach out to me and I don't know if anyone said anything to you wondering, Hey, why couldn't it have been, you know, someone who's, who's been here, who knows London as opposed to the, the way they went. So 
uh, I am hoping he's a great chief. Yeah. Uh, I'm not just wondering. I am really hoping he's a great chief. That being said, there are pros and cons uh, to what the police services board has done versus hiring internal and now doing external. Like they say that we haven't had an external chief in 25 years. Mm -hmm. Well, in the last 33 years, uh, the police services boards over the time have gone outside four times for either chiefs or deputies. So the very first time in the history of the London Police Service they went outside was for Julian Fantino, who was a chief superintendent of Toronto and, in my opinion, was a phenomenal chief. Now, everyone has their opinions, but from my perspective, from what I saw... And you were working there at the time. Oh, I was, yeah. yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, uh, he was a phenomenal chief. Then, uh, after he left, after seven and a half, almost eight years... The board went outside and hired a chief from the RCMP. Well, that didn't work out too well. Uh, that chief got charged for fraud and left. Then there was an opening for a deputy chief, and they went outside and hired uh, an officer from Woodstock uh, as the deputy. Well, he lasted a couple of years, and then he left and went back to Woodstock. They then hired another deputy outside, again from York Region. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he lasted a couple of years and then he left to be chief in Peterborough. So one of the one of the issues about hiring an outside person who is not a high ranking because superintendent is kind of mid ranking of the senior officers uh, mm -hmm. is that many people use this as a stepping stone to go to a bigger service or back to York. And so when I look at York, police chief, Chief McSween, who has 33 years service, he's getting long in the tooth. And so um, will this current uh, appointed chief want to go back there where his roots are? That's where he was a police officer all his life. And so uh, I think, you know, time will tell. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I, I get why there is some trepidation sort of within the service because the other thing, and you mentioned the, the the pros and cons here. I think one of the cons is a lot when you're trying to run a police service is hey, if you do a good job, you do the right things, you're gonna you know get promoted up the chain if that's what you want to do. And and from what I understand from everyone I talk to, Trish McIntyre has done a good job and has done the right things. And, well, yeah. this this current police services board put her in the chair as acting chief, right? So that 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 should show some confidence in her ability. Yet, it it is, yeah, she. And so that's that's kind of one of the unsettling things in this whole thing. Now then, um, the other thing that needs to be said is everybody thinks the chief is in charge of everything. Right. Listen, when you get to sit in that seat, you realize it's not about you, but it's about the team that you build around you. Because you, as the chief, have an extremely difficult time if all your senior officers aren't on the same. Uh, path aren't aren't going down what you want to instill in everybody and so that's one of the challenges for an outside chief because he doesn't know anyone within the organization basically has no dealings with the police association has little experience with the local politics and so it's like a year to a year and a half to get going on anything and then you have to have a senior command that's very supportive so everyone that internally applied for chief who didn't get it, hopefully they'll put on the team sweater, but it, time will tell. You don't know.
When you left, I remember you said this to me. I interviewed you when you said you were retiring. You said you were you were really hopeful that you had built an organization where the board would say, okay, one of your deputy chiefs, who are Brad Duncan and Ian Peer, would wind up becoming chief, and, and, and Brad Duncan wound up becoming chief. Uh, do, you, do you think that that says something, the way that the board here says something about sort of the way that Steve Williams had, had built the organization? Do you think that that's sort of a, a, a shot at that? Sort of what's your read from, from that perspective? Well, it could be. I mean – I realize that an important aspect of being chief is mentorship and the development of your staff below. And it's not that I I wanted the board only to pick from an internal candidate, but I wanted the two deputy chiefs at least to have an opportunity, a good opportunity, to to get the job. And and of course, uh, Brad Duncan did get the job, and so. Uh, uh, both deputies, I had full confidence that either one of them, Ian Peer or Brad Duncan, would uh, would be a, make a good chief. And so, you know, the, the internal candidate process existed after Duncan left with Perret, and then after Perret left with uh, Williams. Um, and and so now now we have a superintendent uh, coming in from York. York is a a much larger service. I kind of chuckle. When people say, well, bringing in someone new brings in new and fresh ideas. We live in the age of information. Do you think that a police service the size of London uh, doesn't contact other police services or other police services contact us or chiefs of police aren't connected almost on a daily basis to know what they're doing and what, what difference they're doing? And so that whole idea about fresh ideas is, um, I think, a bit passe. The only fresh idea that I could see an outsider bringing in is maybe management style and the style of the chief and how he interacts with the rank and file, senior command, politicians and the media. That, that might change. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was interested in that too. And, and York and, and London are, are different. Now, there are some problems that cross over and, and, and Chief Designate Trong has uh, some significant uh, experience when it comes to human trafficking. And I know that's obviously an, an, an issue in London. Perhaps that's something the board was focused on here. But there are some nuances to London, I, I would think, that are going to be pretty different the, than York region, right? Oh, I, totally different. Yeah. I mean, um, looking at his background... Uh, he, you know, he, there's no question he's an expert in human trafficking and organized crime. And to a certain degree, we have that here, but not, uh, let me repeat, not to the level that York Region has. The makeup of that community, ethnocultural-wise, is totally different than our community. Totally different. And so uh, I will say that um, the issues of homelessness, drug addiction, mental health, uh, are are severe in our community um, because we've reduced the number of beds in which people can get treatment. And I'm not so sure that York, uh, which is a regional police service, so has lots of rural areas as well as, as uh, built-up areas, I don't think any one of the cities is as big uh, in their region as the city of London is. Uh, and so it, it'll be different for him. Uh, young, vibrant, 22 years of experience. That's really young to be chief. Most chiefs in the province now can only last about five years until they wear out their welcome. And in policing, you need at least 30 years uh, to be pensionable. And so when you hire someone like this, um, what is the length of contract they gave him? Did he give him a three-year contract, which means maybe he's brought to mentor 
the current deputy and the new deputy be appointed. If it's a five-year, that means there's a lot of people that aren't going to get promoted down there. And does he want to stay for eight? That will be depending upon the new police services board because the current board that hired him will not be there in four or five years. No. No, it's going to be some changing over. I want to ask you about the, the process here and, and the way that these boards make the decision. I know that you've consulted with some municipalities before on on helping them find a chief and sort of the, the, the process surrounding that. Do you think that the system, the way it's set up right now is conducive to having the best possible outcomes there? So um, in the Big 12, the Big yeah. 12 police services in Ontario... Um, and London is one of the big 12, um, it has been the practice uh, to use a headhunter to seek applicants. The headhunting company does preliminary interviews. They weed out some of the candidates. They then put candidates in front of a board. The board does the interviews, and then from those interviews, they do the selection. But I will say that in smaller police services who have appointees and political people who may not have the eagle size eagle uh, uh, size of some of the big services board they ask for outside expertise and i've been involved in at least four hirings of chiefs or commissioners uh in ontario in which the police services board is present in the room when myself or two chiefs or three chiefs interview the candidates uh we then rank the candidates on a piece of paper from one to four, if there's four final interviews, leave the room and the board makes the decision. And I'll tell you the reason why I like that system, that no current chief is going to recommend someone that they do not believe A, has the skill set and can run the department in which they are applying for. Um, you know, interviewing, hiring people is a technique. Um you 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 it takes years and years to hone interviewing skills and just because you're an elected official or appointed by the provincial government what skill set does that bring to the table to interview even to do a thorough background i will say that we invest more time and do a more thorough background on a new constable than a police services board would on the hiring of a chief or a deputy just they don't have the wherewithal to find out information about individuals like police do. And that's not about this particular board. It's just a makeup of, of, of any board in oh, Ontario, the way it's set up, right? So so when you say there shouldn't be any politics in policing, this is one of the areas in which politics really does play because everybody that's on that board is there as a result of a political party or being elected. Yeah, because the province appoints the board or council appoints one member of the board or three people are, you know, so one's the mayor. Appoint, yeah. On a seven-person board, three are elected by by municipal elections, mm-hmm. three are appointed by the province, and one is then appointed by municipal council as a citizen appointee. And so, but you obviously know that person who is appointed by municipal council has some political wherewithal. Of course. Um, uh, and so the composition of the boards have changed greatly. I, I Listen, I don't want to sound like an old fart, but, <laughs> but in past, you had people on the board that ran multi-million dollar companies that had expertise in finance. Um, uh, we, we don't have that anymore. 
it, that's not the system in which policing finds itself. So, I mean, we have to live with what we have, but I'm, I'm just hoping that uh, this current chief uh, will be a great chief for London and that uh, we see we see positive action. I, I listened briefly to his um, acceptance speech yesterday. Uh, the poor guy forgot his notes, so didn't get off to a great start. But he needs to understand what our motto is. And when we were celebrating our 150th anniversary, I changed the motto of our police service, a Latin phrase, facta non verba, which means deeds, not words. So I'm hoping that his words will uh, move into deeds. What do you think the biggest challenges are facing policing in London right now? Because there's, there's a lot of challenges. You mentioned mental health. That, to me, is one of the biggest ones. And I asked the, uh, the chief designate, Tai Trong, about that, uh, about how uh, I think that we should have a system where it's not police officers that have to respond to mental health calls. But right now, there's just nobody else to do it. And that takes up a lot of officers' time. We've got to figure out some other way. Uh, is, is that sort of the number one challenge right now in your estimation? I don't want to rank number one because then you kind of focus on that. But, I'll, you know, the the three ills of society is the drugs, mental health, and homelessness. But internally, there's, there's a cancer in all of policing. Mm-hmm. It's not just London. And the cancer is people aren't coming to work. People are using stress. People are using post-traumatic stress disorder. People are using excuses not to come into work. I, I understand that sometimes there's 10% of the sworn complement that aren't available to work. You can't run a major police service like that. And so when you talk about the, he's talked about the well-being. And so I'm hoping somehow the culture can change. And let me say it again. It's not just in London. The OPP are having a huge issue. Uh, with filling uh, vacant positions due to um, stress, due to post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, or, or due to some form of sickness, and you need to have you need to have all the bodies at work working. And so, when when you don't have a full complement on the street, that just compounds the issue that people are picking up the slack. When you hear about 150 calls waiting in the 911 center to be answered. Part of that's got to do with people aren't coming to work. They're not there. So the calls get backlogged. So there's a whole bunch of issues that, that need to be addressed in our profession uh, and, 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 of course, in our society. You know, I, I know just briefly my comment on mental health. Yeah. When, when I was a police officer on the street, we had hundreds of beds at the London Psychiatric Hospital. Or there was hundreds of beds at St. Thomas Psychiatric Hospital or Oxford Regional Hospital. Now maybe we have 100 beds uh, uh, at um, uh, commissioners in Wellington. And where are the rest of the people? Well, they're on the street. Why do you think we have so many violent attacks on public transit? Yeah. Well, no one ever follows up with these people to say, what was the issue? And I will tell you that most of the issue is that they have a mental health issue right. and they're on the public transit. So either to get warm, to get out of the rain or to pass their time and someone looks at them the wrong way or they look at somebody the wrong way. And most of them all carry some kind of edge weapon for self-protection if you're living on the street and and they they lash out at individuals. And that's why we're having these attacks. And so mental health is a huge problem. I mean, 
governments has voided themselves and made made policing in our country the default to social ills. Well, it's got to stop. Yes, there's a place for social workers. But I'll tell you, social workers doesn't want to go on a mental health call where there's violence. Of course. Whether there's weapons and whether if they're intoxicated. Well, hello. That's most of the mental health calls. Yeah, and fair so, enough. So, you know, we, we, we do need to get our heads around what to do. I mean, bail reform is a big issue right now, but so is, so is should many of these people. Do you think it's uh, wise that they live on the street in these unsanitary conditions? Is that more beneficial than getting them help uh, with, with medical assistance, with proper not. meals? and proper medication. And so I think, uh, you know, we, we need to rethink some of the strategies we've had. I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I've talked about the the closure of like London Psychiatric Hospital. And I know some people say, well, you know, patients weren't treated very well there. Like we, we have ways to treat mental health patients in 2023. They're the hell of a lot better than letting them live in an encampment next to the Thames River. Oh, very, like, yes. yeah. Like, why are we, why are we not doing that? Yeah. I can't say, well, because... It's not politically correct anymore. Yeah. And, and, and like, I just want to see someone show some bravery from a political perspective and say, hey, we're going to not just invest money into mental health, but we're going to create mental health spaces for people who need this assistance. So they're not, as we said, living at the, by the Thames River. They're not going on the bus to get warm. They actually have some place to go where they're getting meals, like you said. And that's going to put the community in a better spot. It's going to be for the safety of everybody involved. It just, it just feels like there are solutions here that we're just not doing because no one has the political courage to do them. That's that's my take and, on it. And, and, of course, the big thing is money. Of course. That's... We, we, I mean, we do a great job in the physiological side of medicine. Mm -hmm. But but, uh, but the mental side of medicine is, is something that we do a very, very poor job. I, listen, I know that when people are, are taken to the hospital or family members take someone to the hospital because of their mental health condition... And they don't get admitted. It's not that they don't need treatment. It's that there's no beds. Yeah. There's nowhere for them to go. Right. Yeah. So they go back out of the street. Yeah. And that's, it's, just, it's, it's not serving anyone well. And it's just, it's, it's frustrating. And it, it, it obviously has an impact on policing because the police are often called when, when these situations are getting out of hand. And perhaps that's part of why there's so many officers who are struggling with their, their own mental health is because these types of calls just keep coming and coming and coming and there's nowhere else for them to go. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up here, Marie, uh, anything else that uh, you think folks should know about or be considering when they're sort of thinking about uh, uh, the, the the transition here and the the way a, a new police chief is coming in and sort of what the what the state of London police is? Well, no, I, I will uh, emphasize the fact that a single body chief of police uh, is not the. Um, is not, is not, it cannot be the only person that can make change. Right. Change internally has to happen when most people buy into a new system. So by thinking that you're hiring someone from the outside to revamp a police service, I think is, is wrong. Uh, when you hire a, an external candidate, there are some negative issues that come with that. The prime issue is, what is missing within the organization that, that the organization itself did not develop 
a person to take over. Was that the responsibility of the chief of police? Yes. Is there a responsibility on the police services board? Yes. And the internal candidates that didn't get selected and may not even get selected as the deputy chief, how do you get them to buy into the new chief's proposals? And so, you know, there, there's, there's definitely some issues. Yeah, I guess we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Murray, thank you so much for this. This is a great conversation. I'm glad you could do it with us today. Anytime, Greg. Experience. Again, this is someone with a very impressive resume, but there are going to be questions both inside and outside of the service about why going external was what the board thought was the right thing to do. There are going to be questions about that. And those are going to linger for a little while. And I'll be honest, if Trish McIntyre, and Trish McIntyre is not going to say this, at least not to somebody like me, but if she's feeling pretty pissed off this week, can't say is that a blamer. I can understand why she would feel that way. can understand entirely. Uh, Want to mention a couple things before we wrap up here. One, uh, someone emailed me and said, uh, and, and, and Murray kind of mentioned as well, the, the situation at council with someone being on the police services board, uh, Susan Toth is, is no longer there. Uh, Susan Toth, who, by the way, just because I feel is the, the need to get this out. Uh, I tweeted uh, right after the news conference that Trish McIntyre did when a London police officer was shot. Remember that? Uh, or two London police officers, rather, were shot at the, at the apartment building on Kipps Lane. And this is what I tweeted. A take informed by today's news conference and watching her work during a time with London police, Trish McIntyre should be named the service's permanent chief. Which... I feel as though I think is a reasonable take. And again, there are people who know more about the inner workings of London police than I do who felt the exact same way, to be clear. Susan Toth, who wasn't on the board at that point, this is back on March 13th, but she liked that tweet and responded to it and said that she felt similarly. So she is no longer on the police services board. She left and that's fine. Murray brought up and some people have sent to me via email or one person, I should say. Uh, well, Craig, if council had replaced somebody, replaced Susan on the police board earlier, this, this situation may not have, have unfolded the way that did if there was a, a seventh vote on the board. I have no idea whether that's true, but I'll say this. The process for interviewing and hiring a new chief was well underway by January when Susan Toth resigned from the board. They wouldn't have had someone new on the police services board until, what was it, early April when that whole brouhaha occurred? They would have been well into the process of selecting a new chief. So whether it was Ryan Goss, whether it was anybody else who was making the decision in that seventh spot on the board, I'm not sure we get to a different outcome here. I don't know how that would have necessarily impacted it. The fact that there, that seventh seat wasn't necessarily full, the timing of this was not good for that. But I don't know if, even if council had immediately, immediately replaced the person in that seventh seat with a unanimous vote with someone that everyone in the community was completely on board with, uh, I don't think it would have necessarily made a big change here. That's just my view on this from the outside. As for whether the controversy surrounding Ryan Goss's appointment and how Ryan Goss would have been the sixth member of the police services board who is a white person. And that would have, that obviously was a political fumble, to say the least, by some members of council there as far as the way that all unfolded. Uh, 
did that make a, an impact in the way they decided who the chief was going to be? I have no idea. Murray, Murray Faulkner wondered about that. I don't know. I, I, no one said that to me. Uh, but I don't know if we can necessarily rule it out either. The, the, like Things were hot for them for a little while here. Not the police services board, but for council for a little while here. I'm not saying, oh, we're going to do this because our board got criticized for lack of racial diversity. So therefore, we're going to have a racially diverse chief. I, I don't think that's the way this went. I really don't. But the two stories have been kind of happening simultaneously here. So I get how people might be making the link. I understand it. As for where this goes from here, I hope that Tai Trong is a phenomenal police chief. I hope that he's a great chief and that he does some great things for the police service here in the city of London. And I think that he is capable of that. Again, the resume is impeccable. I don't think they made a bad hire here. I do think, though, that internally there are some people who are not happy with the way it shook down. That's all. Someone did the job for a few months and gets passed over for it. There's going to be some people who are pissed off. And I don't think that that's going to come as a shock to anyone who's a member of the London Police Services Board. That's all. All right. We're going to wrap up here. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the Craig Needles podcast, which, of course, you can find at londonnewstoday.ca, classicrock981.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, reviewing, subscribing, and we will uh, chat with you uh, later this week here for a Friday Roundtable on the Craig Needles podcast. The Craig Needles podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. 